Wednesday morning, Donald Trump announced at a press conference that he hoped that Vladimir Putin, a man he said called President Obama the N-word, do you know what the N-word is? Had Hillary's 30,000 deleted emails. Looking directly into camera, Trump said, it would be very interesting to see. I will tell you this, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Trump added, I wish I had that power. By the way, they hacked. They hacked, okay? A few minutes later, Trump said he wasn't sure Russia had hacked the DNC. The media went crazy. How dare Trump say such things? How dare he suggest he wants America's enemies to have access to America's national security secrets? That's insane. It's self-obsessed. Um, guys, Hillary Clinton deliberately built a private server knowing it was vulnerable to hack. The Clinton Foundation took cash from Russian-involved sources at the Russian Atomic Energy Agency, Rosatom, took over a company mining uranium in the United States with the approval of Hillary's State Department. Yeah, Trump's dumb to say he wants America's national security secrets disseminated among our enemies, but I mean, it's Trump. It's Hillary's fault this is even a topic. She exposed the secrets. She did so on purpose. The media's attempt to spin this one as a big boo-boo by Trump neglects the fact it wouldn't be an issue at all if not for Hillary's corruption and incompetence. More to the point, Democrats constantly attempt to get foreign powers to intervene on their behalf in elections. In 1984, Teddy Kennedy actually asked the Soviet Union for their help in beating Ronald Reagan in the presidential election. According to Forbes magazine, quote, Kennedy's message was simple. He proposed an unabashed quid pro quo. Kennedy would lend Andropov, Yuri Andropov, then the prime minister, a hand in dealing with President Reagan. In return, the Soviet leader would lend the Democratic Party a hand in challenging Reagan in the 1984 presidential election. Quote, the only real potential threats to Reagan are problems of war and peace in Soviet-American relations, the memo stated. These issues, according to the senator, will without doubt become one of the most important of the election campaign. In the 1990s, the Clintons, you remember them? They raised money from the Chinese government, and they allegedly declassified American nuclear secrets in return. In 2008, Senator Obama sent a letter directly to the Ayatollahs in Iran, telling them to hold off on conflict until he could be reelected. In 2012, Obama told the Russian president, Dmitry Medvedev, that he wanted Vladimir Putin, you remember that guy, to hold off on aggressive action until he could provide flexibility after the election. No, Democrats don't get to claim that Donald Trump is the real threat to national security because he said something everybody knows he's thinking. The man has no brain-to-mouth filter. It's all verbal farts. But Hillary Clinton has proved herself an actual national security threat. It's her fault Putin may have her emails, not Donald Trump's. Which isn't to say that Trump is stable. He isn't. During the press conference, Donald Trump also suggested that the vice presidential candidate Tim Kaine had done a poor job running New Jersey. He was the governor of Virginia. Tom Keene was the governor of New Jersey. He also said he wanted to abrogate the Geneva Conventions and said he might consider letting the Russians take Crimea, among other colorful moments. But when it comes to the Russians hacking Hillary, it's not Trump who's the problem. Hillary is. Everybody knows it, despite the media's spin. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Yeah, tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, so here we are. We're finally here on Facebook Live. And we'll give you a couple minutes extra against the advice of my producers just because you've been such good people waiting and waiting and waiting while Hillary and the Russians tried to hack this show. Um, but I, I want to begin. There's so much to get to today. We're going to start with the actual story of the convention. So... Actual story of the convention is that the chaos continues. The Sanders supporters are deeply unhappy with Hillary Clinton, and they are not shy about talking about it or doing things about it. So yesterday, here is what happened. A bunch of Bernie Sanders supporters actually walked out of the convention hall. You remember, there was talk. Some of the Cruz people would do this at the RNC. Never happened. At the DNC, it actually happened. See, here's the thing. When you have a candidate who keeps talking about revolution, and then he caves in the face of Hillary Clinton, his revolutionaries aren't just going to cave. They're going to be revolutionaries which means that they walk out of the convention hall. So here's the Sanders protesters walking out and then basically rioting in the streets almost. Hey, Elaine, so we're, uh, we're approaching FD, uh, FDR Park outside of the Wells Arena Fargo here in Philly, and there's been a collision of protest groups. The Bernie or Fox uh, demonstrators came from FDR Park where they were hanging out to meet the Black Lives Matter protesters who were marching from City Hall. Uh, and it was it was probably the biggest collision of protesters yet, or rather joining of protesters. Uh, so police at the moment. So are just play the whole thing, but apparently four people were arrested in all of this, and the protesters got wild. They had themselves a good time. Apparently. Uh, they were burning in American and Israeli flags. This is really ironic and hilarious. They wanted to burn an American flag, apparently, but they had trouble finding one. 
because it's a democratic convention. So, of course, they don't have an American flag. They don't even like it enough to have it there, let alone burn it. So here's video of them burning an Israeli flag yesterday. Chanting for an intifada, if you can't understand what they're saying. Yeah, real pro Israel, these folks. Okay, they're just a delight. The nice thing is you get to pay for all of their welfare, so that's exciting. Uh, the, the Bernie fans also were the, the ones who stayed in the arena. They were chanting at, at Cory Booker. Cory Booker gave a speech yesterday in favor of Hillary Clinton, and Bernie fans were chanting Warhawk at Cory Booker. Here's what it looked like. Clearly, this is a group of very happy people wearing Robin Hood caps and being old. So it's 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 very it's very exciting. Good times at the Democratic National Convention. Black Lives Matter protesters also showed up outside the DNC where they ordered white people to the back of their protest because there's nothing that says we're against racism like separating people by race and then ordering them to the back of a bus. As we've known from history, so here is a Black Lives Matter protester doing this routine. Black media, get to the back. Black media, come to the front. Black media, you can go. You can go. So get to the back. Yo, we see the back. White people get to the back. White people get to the back, yeah. I'm so glad this movement has the support of our race-blind president. Okay, so th- this is the real story of the convention, is that this sort, of, this sort of activity continues. But the story last night, of course, that the media wanted to trot out is that it was Hillary Clinton's big moment. Yes, she's been waiting years and years and years and decades, centuries perhaps, sitting in a cave somewhere plotting this rise to power. And finally, finally, Hillary Clinton, she, she is announced as the nominee for the Democratic Party. And she and it's a it's a big moment. So the Democrats decide that they put up pictures of all of the various presidents of the past, all of whom are men. And then this is what they show inside the convention hall. Okay, so in case you can't see that, folks, if you're listening on the podcast, then first of all, half the arena is empty because a lot of these folks left. Hillary's just smiling in the camera, and people are dancing like crazy. And Chelsea's cheering, everybody's all happy. Okay, so... And Hillary just stands there all awkward. Okay, so what, what you actually saw... So what you actually saw was Hillary's giant face cracking glass, which, believe it or not, is probably not the first time that's happened. It, there, there are a couple things that reminded me of off the top of my head. I mean, when, when I saw Hillary's face come through and shatter glass, Twitchy pointed this out, and they're exactly right. It was a little bit reminiscent of, um, of a commercial, a famous commercial of the past. Here's what, what that was. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Huh? Oh, yeah. Hey, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hillary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hillary Clinton and the Kool-Aid man. The only difference is that children aren't afraid of the Kool-Aid man breaking through their walls. Uh, There's another commercial, by the way, that's looked a lot alike, a lot like. And that was the 1984 commercial, of course. Right. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information purification A garden of pure ideology where each worker may bloom, secure from the pests of a Here comes Here comes Dinesh D'Souza throwing a hammer at Hillary Clinton up there. Alright. And then watch, you'll see. Here comes the hammer. Most famous commercial in TV history. There are the Bernie Bros taking their hammer and just tossing it at Hillary Clinton. On January 24th, okay, so yes, there were some famous images that came to mind when Hillary Clinton's face split a screen. So 
the, the media made a huge deal out of this. The media were, were crying and weeping. Oh my God, it's just unbelievable. Hillary Clinton, oh my God, what are we gonna do? Clip 16, here's ABC talking about the tears of joy for Hillary Clinton, tears of joy. Real emotion here on display, tears of joy from Hillary Clinton supporters. Right now, there are people all around me in tears as they watch this roll call vote. As history is made, tears. There is a sense that history is being made. We are seeing tears. You can see tears coming down his eyes. Okay, the only tears about Hillary becoming president is all the women Bill will sexually assault in the future who will now be in Hillary's crosshairs. Hillary, let's be straight about this. Hillary Clinton did not change anything yesterday. She didn't change anything. And I'm so sick of conservatives, so-called conservatives, doing this. They did this with Obama, too. Oh, what a milestone. What a moment. We finally have a black president. Yeah, except he's going to be the president. And it turns out I didn't need to see a black guy as president to believe that black people could be presidents in the United States. The only people who believe that are people who are misinformed about the nature of the United States by the Democratic Party and actual racists. Okay, same thing is true for Hillary Clinton. My wife is a doctor. Okay, which means she's accomplished more in her short life than Hillary Clinton has in her entire life. My wife's a doctor who takes care of people. She never at any point in her life sat around thinking, you know what, I can't be a doctor until Hillary Clinton, a corrupt old shrew, becomes a presidential nominee. My mom, when I was growing up, my mom worked and my dad was a stay-at-home dad. And my mom didn't sit around wondering, can I run film and television companies? I don't know. I'll have to think about whether Hillary Clinton could become president. This is all so stupid. Women, by the way, are a majority of bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and associate's degrees. Next year, according to the American Bar Association, there will be a majority of law students in the United States. American women don't need Hillary Clinton to shatter a glass ceiling that doesn't exist. Okay, we already, we already had a female Speaker of the House. We have three female justices on the Supreme Court. The, three of the last five secretaries of state have been women. So this idea that, that women are sitting around in their lives going, oh, you know, I, I just, I feel so held back unless Hillary becomes president. It's such crap. Also... You know, Hillary doing this whole routine like she's overcome obstacles because she's a woman is such it's such pure and unadulterated hokum. It's such absolute nonsense. Of course, that's not true. Hillary has overcome obstacles such as blank and also blank. Okay, Hillary Clinton was born rich, married a guy, rode his coattails to power, abused his victims, and then used that corruption to parlay herself into a Senate seat in New York, which her husband helped grease the skids for with a with a pardon of Mark Rich, and then. She, she ran for president, was terrible at it, and she, she keeps failing upward. So this idea that women everywhere benefit because Hillary is president is just crap. It's also not true. I, I, I object to the general idea. Dennis Prager made this, this point this morning, and he's right. I object to the general idea that minority groups, first of all, women are a majority. They're not a minority. Okay, they are a, a large majority of voters. I think 54% of people who voted last time around were women. So this idea that women are victims, okay, then they're, then they're victims of women, because women could theoretically band together and vote a woman if that was their top priority. But... Minority groups don't need a, a token to be the, the celebrity god leader in order for them to feel like they can achieve. When was the last time you saw an Asian American on either half of the ticket? Okay, it has never happened, ever. Asian Americans are the most successful economic group in the United States. Jews have had precisely one nominee for VP, and it was Joe Lieberman in 2000. Okay, Jews have been highly successful in the United States. The idea that black people needed a black president or females need a female president, it's such patent stupidity it's almost unbelievable. And speaking of which, you know, the idea that Barack Obama became a black president and therefore black kids all over the United States pointed and they said, I can do anything. Why is it then that racial polarization in the country is at an all time high or at least a high modern high since the civil rights movement? Why is it that we're going backwards in terms of race relations? If black kids feel better about the nature of America because we have a black president, why is it that they don't actually feel better about the nature of America because we have a black president? All of this is nonsense. All of this is poop. And, and, the, and the media continue to cheer it forward because, oh, it's a historic moment. Oh, it's such a historic moment. The networks cheered Hillary's milestone. And you can see them cheering Hillary's milestone. And you can see Joy Reid of MSNBC saying that Hillary Clinton is going to teach us a lot about sexism. I'm sorry, but we keep on rediscovering who we are as Americans. Barack Obama made us rediscover that we still have issues with race. And you know what? We still have issues with gender. And Hillary Clinton is going to teach us that lesson now okay. as she runs but for here's president. The oh, how magical. How magical. So, so this is great. So she's now talking up the idea that, that Barack Obama divided us along race, which was now a good thing. So Hillary will divide us along sexual lines, and that'll also be a good thing. 
this whole thing is just ridiculous. Hillary has no qualifications to be president. There's no reason she should be president. She's awful on every score. She's awful on every score. Even her husband, Bill, can't make her more palatable. So Bill Clinton spoke last night in an attempt to make Hillary seem like not the, the wicked witch of the West. Um, failed dramatically. So Bill let off his speech, and it was a 40-minute speech. I mean, he just kept jabbering and jabbering. He kept thinking, okay, this is the last time I'm going to be on stage. Better get those ladies in the front row looking good. So, so Bill is sitting there, and he's talking about his relationship with Hillary Clinton. And it was pretty creepy, I got to admit. I mean, he was making out his relationship with Hillary Clinton to be like Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn in On Golden Pond. And they just sit around, and they listen to the loons. Do you hear the loons? And they're just sitting around listening to the loons on the lake, except for the fact that Bill nails everything he can possibly find. Anything he can get his hands on, consent or no consent, and Hillary then covers up for it. It's been a perfect marriage. And so he tells the story of how they met. And it's kind of creepy and stalkerish when you consider that Bill Clinton is an actual alleged rapist. So here's Bill Clinton doing that last night. Well, I didn't join the law review, but I did leave that library with a whole new goal in mind. <laughs> the music is from Halloween, of course. <laughs> yes, Bill Clinton, the scariest man in the world. I love that he says that I love that he, he says that he, he met a girl. He started off by saying he met a girl in the spring of 1971. Then, in the spring of 1971, I met a girl. The first time I saw her, we were, appropriately enough, in a class on political and civil rights. She had thick blonde hair, big glasses, wore no makeup. And she exuded this sense of strength and self-possession that I found <laughs> magnetic. After the class, I followed her out, intending to introduce myself. I got close enough to touch her back, but I couldn't do it. Somehow I knew this would not be just another tap on the shoulder. That I might be starting something I couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, creepy stalker Bill talking about how his romantic story of meeting Hillary Clinton. It continues. He went on like this for a long time. Then he saw the girl again. He saw the girl again. Then I saw the girl again standing at the opposite end of that long room. But finally, she was staring back at me. So I watched her. She closed her book, put it down, and started walking toward me. She walked the whole length of the library, came up to me and said, look, if you're going to keep staring at me, and now I'm staring back, we at least ought to know each other's name. I'm Hillary Rodham. Who are you? I was... I was so impressed and surprised that whether you believe it or not, momentarily, I was speechless. Finally, I sort of blurted out my name and we exchanged a few words and then she went away. Like an apparition, she just sort of went away. But don't worry, that's not the end of this particular ghost story. <laughs> Here's the end of this particular ghost story. Well, I didn't join the law review. <laughs> <laughs> but I did leave that library with a whole new goal in mind. <laughs> a couple days later, I saw her again. I remember she was wearing a long, white, flowery skirt. And I went up to her. She said she was going to register for classes for the next term. I said I'd go, too. And we stood in line and talked. You had to do that to register back then. And I thought I was doing pretty well. Bill, we got to the front of the line, and the registrar looked up and said, Bill, what are you doing here? You registered this morning. <laughs> I turned red, and she laughed, that big laugh of hers. And I thought, well, heck, since my cover's been blown, I just went ahead and asked her to take a walk down to the art museum. We've been walking and talking and laughing together ever since. 
Okay, so that's the end of that particular horror story, and now they're both going to be precedent. It's just horrifying, or at least you would like to be. First of all, I would, I would say to Bill, Bill, in the future, if you're going to write your own speeches, please don't say your cover has been blown under any circumstances. It's a very poor choice of words for, for Billiam Jefferson Clinton. So <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. I have to credit my co-host Brian Whitman on The Morning Answer for the idea of the Halloween music, because it really is. I mean, it's just, it's, it's frightening. I mean, this guy, he's a sexual assault guy, okay? And he's, and he's walking around acting like, oh, we just have the most beautiful marriage, me and Hillary. After I'd rape women, she'd go up to them and she'd pat their hand and she'd threaten them. And that meant a lot to me. That's what a real marriage is all about. And when I think of all those times when I was having sex with anyone in a 30-mile radius, and I would just go and bang a waitress, just nail her. And then I'd come home, and Hillary would throw a lamp at me and say, Bill, you stupid cretin. You almost got caught that time, and I need to be president. That's when I realized I had made the right choice of that Coke bottle-wearing, glasses-wearing, crazy-haired, wonderful, wonderful woman. I mean, it's just like, who believes this crap? It's supposed to humanize her. The problem is you can't make a robot human. Okay, it's just, it's impossible. You can't make a, a, a horrible Herodin like Hillary Clinton humans. <laughs> Pretty spectacular. I love, I love when he says, I, we, we heard that big laugh that we all know. Yeah, that big horrifying laugh that we hear every time somebody asks her a tough question. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. All right, well, we have to leave the Facebook Live now. Sorry about the delay a little bit earlier. If you want to see the rest, go to dailywire.com. And you can check it out there at dailywire.com. Eight bucks a month makes you a subscriber. You can join. Also, we have our our mailbag tomorrow. If you want to join the mailbag, the only way you get into the mailbag is to subscribe. So if you want to ask me a question that I will answer on the air, go to dailywire.com and subscribe. Go to SoundCloud and iTunes later and hear the rest of the podcast. We are the number one conservative podcast in America, and we're so happy that you join us every day. Cowabunga. So Bill Clinton, he uh, he he wasn't just done with the whole trying to to make Hillary into something she's not like a palatable human being. What's what's really funny about all of this, you know, what's really funny about all of this is that that Bill actually could have done her some good last night. All Bill had to do was come out and tell the actual story of their marriage, not like the real actual story, not like the part where they made a deal to both be president and he'd let and she'd let him knock around as much as he could possibly want. And his deal with her would be she'd stay 15,000 miles away. Like right now, Bill wants her to be president so he can stay in Chappaqua and keep nailing the Energizer. That's what they call his mistress, the Energizer. So I guess he's getting recharged between between sets. But he, he just wants her as far away as possible. Like Secretary of State was a perfect job for her. She was on a plane far away from him all the time, which is, you know, the way that any loving man and wife want to be. I know that when I go home at night, the first thing I think is, boy, how can I get rid of this wife? That's that's the first thing that I think. And it, what all he really had to do is we all know we all know the nature of their marriage. If you wanted to make Hillary look good, remember, the time that Hillary was most popular in her career is right after we found out about Lewinsky and everybody felt really terrible for her. We all felt like, boy, she really married a scoundrel. And so everybody said, oh, well, she must be a a nice person. And then it turned out, of course, she's not a nice person. She's a Herodin. But for those five seconds, everybody was very sympathetic. All they had to do was go out there and say, I know my wife is the toughest, strongest woman I've ever met. And I know that because I have put her through some things that no husband should ever put a wife through, and she's lived through them, and she's been stronger for it, right? That's all he has to do. He doesn't need just an oblique reference, and it would mean a lot, but he can't do it because that would undercut the whole we're a hunky-dory couple routine, and that's why I don't think the speech is going to do her any good. He went on to try and actually make the case for her, and the case that he made for her was not a good case. It was really not a strong case at all. So this is, let's go to 15C. This is Bill Clinton talking about why you need to elect Hillary Clinton. So what's up with it? Well, if you win elections on the theory that government is always bad and will mess up a two-car parade, a real changemaker represents a real threat. So your only, op- your only option is to create a cartoon a cartoon alternative. Then run against the cartoon. Cartoons are two-dimensional. They're easy to absorb. Life in the real world is complicated, and real change is hard. And a lot of people even think it's boring. Good for you, because earlier today, you nominated the real one. 
Yeah, I like cartoons. I like those anime cartoons. I like the pornography anime cartoons. But I don't like when people are made into cartoons. This is so ridiculous. First of all, Hillary Clinton is in a cartoon. She's actually a bad person who compromised national security for her own personal self-aggrandizement. And the Clinton Foundation is a giant slush fund for Bill and Hillary, the two most corrupt people in American politics. Second of all, the entire Democratic convention has been about cartooning Donald Trump. Now, you don't need to turn Donald Trump into a cartoon since he actually is a cartoon. Like, he's an actual two-dimensional person. If he turns sideways, he disappears. Donald Trump is an actual cartoon. He's like a flip book, a flip book of silly. Okay, but but that's what they've been doing to Republicans for years. Jonah Goldberg, I thought, made a brilliant point on this. He said one of the reasons Democratic rhetoric isn't working on Trump is they said the same things about Mitt Romney that are saying about Trump. And they were saying about Mitt Romney, he wanted to put y'all back in chains. They were saying about Mitt Romney, he was uncaring and terrible and evil and horrible and, and bombastic and nutty. They were saying all these things about George W. And, and so when they, when they keep crying wolf about candidates and then finally they get Trump, there's nothing left in the tank. So this ain't going to work. And then he has to try and make an affirmative case for Hillary Clinton. And here's his affirmative case for Hillary Clinton's 15D. You could drop her into any trouble spot. Pick one. Come back in a month and somehow, some way, she will have made it better. That is just who she is. There are clear, achievable, affordable responses to our challenges. But we won't get to them if America makes the wrong choice in this election. That's why you should elect her. Okay, so I love that. I love he says, you can drop her in any trouble spot, come back in a month, and she will have made it better. That is his personal experience with dropping, him, with dropping her into trouble spots with his mistresses. Right? You drop her there, you kind of drive away, and you wait for Hillary to blackmail them into shutting up. So that's exciting. But this didn't work particularly well in Libya. We sort of dropped Hillary in the middle of that one, and that fell apart. We dropped her in the middle of Syria. That fell apart. We dropped her in the middle of Ukraine. That fell apart. We dropped her in the middle of the South China Sea. That fell apart. Basically, anything that Hillary touches turns into a crap show. But he's saying you can drop her in any trouble spot, and it gets better. Well, that's because for Bill, that's probably true. She was his fixer. She was his sexual fixer. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's accurate for him, but it certainly isn't accurate for the country. And then, this is my favorite part, he says, you need to elect her because she'll never quit on you. And you should elect her because she'll never quit when the going gets tough. She'll never quit on you. She sent me in this primary to West Virginia, where she knew we were going to lose, to look those coal miners in the eye and say... I'm down here because Hillary sent me to tell you <laughs> that if you really think you can get the economy back you had 50 years ago, have at it, go forever you want to. But if she wins, she is coming back for you to take you along on the ride to America's future. There's a ride to America's future? That sounds awesome. But I don't know what ride he's talking about. This is, this is such crazy talk. She never quits when the going gets tough. Okay, Hillary Clinton, the only thing that she hasn't quit when the going gets tough is her marriage. Okay, everything else, when it came to being senator, she quit so that she could run for president. When it came to running for president, she quit so she could be secretary of state. When she became secretary of state, she quit after one term so that she could run for president again. Okay, Hillary Clinton is, is not somebody who you can count on if her interests don't line up with yours, obviously. But this wasn't the worst part of the convention last night. I mean, the, the entire media were just going goo-goo-eyed over this. There was a CNN commentator who said, it just shows the kind of tenderness that Bill has for Hillary. Yeah, the same sort of tenderness that, that, a, that a cow has for a barracuda. Like, that's the, no. Bill just doesn't want to get stung. That's all that's happening here. That wasn't the worst part of the convention last night, though. The worst part of the convention was the mothers of the movement. So the mothers of the movement show up. The mothers of the movement we've been discussing for days. These are a bunch of, of black women who have sons who are killed in, in controversial circumstances by police or by neighborhood watch people, in the case of Trayvon Martin, or by random people at a gas station in one case. And they speak at the, at the DNC, and this is just, it, it's amazing. So, so first, this is Geneva Reed Veal. She's the mother of Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland committed suicide in prison. Why is this lady speaking? No one knows, except to make the cops look bad, because that's what the DNC is all about. Six other women have died in custody that same month. Kendra Chapman, Alexis McGovern, Sarah Lee Circlebear. Raynette Turner, Raukina Jones, and Joyce Cornell. So many of our children are gone, but they are not forgotten. I am here with Hillary Clinton tonight 
because she is a leader and a mother who will say our children's names. Okay, so that's, that's lady number one. And then we get another lady, and she gets up there, and she, and she does this routine. Jordan Davis, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to remember all the names, I believe Jordan Davis was the guy who was killed by the cops after he hit a uh, cop in the neck with a baton, if I'm not mistaken. And so this is Lucia McBath, his mommy, talking about him. Hillary Clinton isn't afraid to say that black lives matter. She isn't afraid to sit at a table with grieving mothers and bear the full force of our anguish. Stop it for a second because I want to correct does- myself. So Jordan Davis, I'm mixing up Jordan Davis and Dontre Hamilton. His mom's on the stage also. Jordan Davis was murdered by a white guy at a gas station. What does that have to do with anything? No one knows. No one knows what that has to do with anything. And then finally, there's another mother of the movement who speaks. And, uh, and this is the, the mother of Michael Brown, correct? Or is this Trayvon's mom? This might be Trayvon's mom. Now we'll see in one second. Hillary Clinton has the compassion and understanding to support grieving mothers. She has the courage to lead the fight for common sense gun legislation. Again, why is this lady speaking about common sense gun legislation? She has a plan. She has a plan to divide that so often exists between law enforcement and the communities that they serve. This isn't about being politically correct. This is about saving our children. Okay, well, Sabrina Fulton wanted to save her kid. Maybe her kid should have been taking a guy's head and banging it on tonight with Hillary Clinton. And that's why, in memory of of our children, we are imploring you all of you to vote this election day. <sighs> okay, enough. So this is it. So they, they do this whole routine. Leslie McSpadden, who's the mother of Michael Brown, who tried to kill a cop, was also up there. Why Sabrina Fulton should have anything to say about gun control is beyond me. I, I don't understand what is her specialization here. What does she know about gun control policy that nobody else knows? other than her son, got into a confrontation with George Zimmerman, was sitting astride his body, banging his head into the pavement when he was shot. But it doesn't matter. This is what the Democrats do. They need to polarize Americans so that then they can bring us together around whatever figure they want to bring us together around. And lately, that's been Hillary Clinton. Okay, so now it's time for some things I like and then an extra special episode of Things That I Hate. So things I like, we've been doing Russian villains. So that is because the Russians apparently hacked the DNC and decided to release all of the DNC's emails. So we're doing Russian villain movies. So this is a a movie that's really enjoyable. It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. Um, the, The movie Rounders, I think they're talking now about making a sequel. The movie about poker, Matt Damon. Uh, and um, and Edward Norton is in it, and uh, and John Malkovich plays the the Russian villain. So here's the here's the trailer. No limit, Texas Hold'em is the Cadillac of poker. Each player is dealt two cards face down. Five cards are then dealt face up across the middle. These are community cards everyone can use to make the best five card hand. The key to the game is playing the man, not the cards. Bet an eighth ball. There's no other game in which fortunes can change so much from hand to hand. A brilliant player can get a strong hand cracked, go on tilt, and lose his mind along with every single chip in front of him. This is why the World Series of Poker is decided over a no-limit hold'em table. Some people, pros even, won't play no limit. They can't handle the swings. But there are others, like Doyle Brunson, who consider no limit the only pure game left. Like Papa Willenda said, life is on the wire. The rest is just waiting. Fascinating. Okay, so the movie's Rounders. Good movie. Um, and uh, and it's definitely, it's, it's a fun movie for sure. Okay, things I like. It's also Wednesday, so that means it's Bible time. A little bit of Bible talk. So <laughs> so this week's this week's Torah portion, the part of the Torah that we read, as I explain every week, every every week the Jews read a different portion of the Torah so that by the end of the year we've gone through the entire five books of Moses and we do that every single year. So this week's Torah portion is the portion of Pinchas, Phineas. So this is about the uh, this is about the fella in the Bible, you may remember him, uh, who 
stabs a couple of folks and basically ends up becoming a priest because of it. So the backstory, this is from Numbers 25, 10 through 13. So what happened just before this is that Phineas was a was a you know, leader in the Jewish people, and the Jews are confronted with the Midianites. And the Midianite daughters start seducing the Jewish men and, and seducing them into idolatry. And one of the Jewish princes, a guy named Zimri, he comes in, he comes into the camp, and Moses has given the order, you don't get to consort with the, with the enemy, essentially. This guy comes into the camp uh, with, with one of the daughters of Midian, and he proceeds to basically have sex in front, of, in front of the elders of the Jewish people. And Moses doesn't know what to do. And so Phineas takes a spear, and he kills both of them. And so this is from Numbers 25.10. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the Kohen, has turned my anger away from the children of Israel by his zealously avenging me among them, so that I did not destroy the children of Israel because of my zeal. Therefore say, I hereby give him my covenant of peace. It shall be for him and for his descendants after him an eternal covenant of kahuna, that means priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and atoned for the children of Israel. So, you know, it's a brutal story for sure. But the real question is, why didn't Moses know the law? And this is a question asked by all the Jewish commentators. Why didn't Moses do it? Right? Moses had already given the order. You're not allowed to consort with the, with the women from Midian because they're leading you into idolatry. So why didn't Moses do anything about it? The reason I think, Mo so there, there are a bunch of different commentaries on this. One, a very famous Jewish commentator named Rashi, he says that Moses basically had a moment of, of forgetfulness because that had started to come over him since he sinned with the rock, which we talked about last week. But what I think really happened here is that if you read a little bit earlier in the Bible, Miriam, who is Moses' sister, comes to Moses and she says, why are you married to this, this woman who's not Jewish? Right? There's, there's a section in the Bible a couple chapters earlier. Why, aren't you married to, why are you married to Zipporah? Why are you married to Zipporah, this, this woman who's, who's not Jewish? And Moses, and Moses doesn't really have an answer. God punishes Miriam for asking the question. I think what happened here is that Moses was looking at the situation and he felt like a hypocrite. He felt like, okay, why is it that I'm allowed to marry a woman who's not Jewish, but these, this guy is sleeping with a woman who's not Jewish and it's a big deal. I feel like a hypocrite now. The reason I think this is important, the reason I, and it takes Phineas to come in and say, no, 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 you don't get to, the, you don't get to just do what you want because people have sinned in the past or made mistakes in the past or because they had an exception in the case of Moses. I think that the reason this is important is because so much of American politics, so much of, of how we think about values and issues goes back to the sins that we've committed. Leftism is a religion without the, process, without the possibility of repentance. In leftism, if you committed a sin when you, were, when you were 18, if you went to Woodstock and slept around when you were 18, you have to spend the rest of your career talking about why abortion and sexual promiscuity is great. Because if anybody says to you, wait, now you're preaching virtue, but when you were a kid, you didn't, you can't say, right, I made mistakes. I made mistakes is not part of the leftist house. It's not part of their, their, it's not part of their thesaurus. It's not part of their dictionary. They, they don't know. It's that their lexicon does not include that phrase, I made mistakes. Instead, it is, the idea is if you sinned, then really you are standing up against the prevailing value system, and now forevermore you have to stand on the side of your sin against the value system. This, does, this is why baby boomer parents have done such a terrible job to the country, because they've said to their own kids, I can't condemn bad action you take because I did it when I was younger. No, you can. That's sort of the purpose of being a parent. The purpose of living life is you make mistakes, you learn from the mistakes, and you don't repeat them. But as a society, we've become so petty and stupid. We've become so permissive in our ideas of what is good and what is bad that we've decided that every time we do something wrong, we have to spend the rest of our life defending the thing we did wrong rather than just going out and saying, I made a mistake. It's one of the things that bothers me deeply about both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. I think both of them do this. I think Donald Trump, when he says, I don't feel the need to repent, I don't want to be the kind of guy who has to repent. If you're a religious person, you spend your entire life repenting. Right? In, in Judaism, we do basically a form of repentance two times a day. I mean, we actually, we actually do what's called tachanun two times a day. We do it in the morning service and the afternoon service. Immediately after Yom Kippur, when we've done all of our repentance and supposedly the slate is wiped clean, we immediately go into the evening service, and even the evening service has a paragraph in the silent Amida, in the silent service, that specifically talks about repentance, Lachlanu, right? So the, so the idea is, the, meaning forgive us, the idea is we're constantly repenting for the sins we commit. The standard doesn't change because you sinned. The standard is what it always was. You may have made mistakes, but that doesn't mean that everybody else gets to throw away the standard because you made mistakes. And I think that's the lesson here, is that Phineas is saying you have to be zealous on behalf of the standard, and even if you made mistakes in the past, even if you're ashamed of those mistakes, even if you feel like a hypocrite, the standard did not change just because you feel like a hypocrite.
Okay, time for uh, one more thing that I like. So Hillary Clinton released a photo celebrating her nomination. Um, and here is the picture, right? So it says, we made history, Hillary for America. And it's a picture of a woman in hijab crying. And it looks like she's celebrating Hillary. I mean, look how moving this is. One problem. She tweets out, this woman tweets out, a picture of herself with Bernie Sanders and says, guess you still didn't get the memo. Hashtag still Sanders. Hashtag Iman immigrant. Hashtag I support Palestinian rights. So they grabbed a photo from this lady, and it turns out she's crying because Hillary's the nominee. <laughs> so they thought they were tweeting it out because it's such a moving, moving tribute, and it turns out she doesn't want Hillary to be the nominee in the first place. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So celebrity culture has overtaken both parties. In the Republican Party, we felt the necessity to have speakers like Antonio Sabato Jr., who's most famous for dancing in a Janet Jackson video, uh, and, uh, and, Nat- and Natalie Golbus, who I guess is an LPGA tour lady. The Democrats really do this right. The Democrats bring out every celebrity they can find. It really makes you kind of sick to your stomach because it demonstrates how our culture has been taken over. See, here's what happens. The human tendency, Kevin Williamson has a good piece about this today at National Review. I don't think it's complete, but it's very good. He talks about the tendency of human beings to follow celebrity, and he says it doesn't make any sense because we don't even know these celebrities. That's because the human being has a tendency to follow royal families. We do. We have a tendency to find people that we like and then to use them as shortcuts for thinking. We're constantly finding shortcuts for thinking because there are so many decisions we have to make every day. So we do this with celebrities. We find people that we like, and then we say, well, if Taylor, if Taylor Swift thinks that's cool, then it must be cool. If Lena Dunham thinks that's cool, you know, the lady who looks like a russet potato, that means that it must be cool. And by the way, I I make fun of Lena Dunham's physical appearance because it is legitimately her only claim to fame. And she herself basically gets naked so that anyone will pay attention to her. That's why I specifically make fun of her. So that's actually a pointed criticism of Lena Dunham's physical appearance, the fact that she looks like a russet potato. So Sia did a version of of this song that I hate called Fight Song. So I hate the song in the first place, this Fight Song song, because number one, my, uh, my understanding is that the song is about a breakup. And it's some lady whining and singing about, this is my fight song, my I'm all right song, I'm, everything is, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be fine. And it's like, okay, lady, you didn't go to Afghanistan. Like, really? You broke up with a dude. You, is it a fight song, or is it just like, get over it? It's, a, it's such a ugh, fight song. Is it, not, Lindsay isn't here today, so I can't rip on her brave tattoo, but it's the same sentiment. <laughs> it's the same basic concept, fight song. So anyway, they decide they're going to have a fight. So they do a version of fight song with every celebrity you can imagine in favor of, you guessed it, Hillary Clinton, who's had to fight herself through all sorts of obstacles, including marrying the president of the United States, growing up wealthy, going to all the best schools, and getting a handout from the FBI every time she commits a criminal act. So those are real obstacles. And so she's really had to fight. Here are all the celebrities basically endorsing her. This is our fight song. Hey. There's Sia doing Go Hillary at the very end, looking like something out of a freak show. Uh, I don't understand what's going on here with Sia's hair. I don't understand if she was standing uh, in a place where they were spray painting a wall or what happened. Um, I don't understand why she looks like a, a poodle that needs a hair trim, but I don't understand anything about popular culture anymore. <laughs> so no, no great shock there. It's a, look, it's a well-produced video, obviously, and they've got all the people from Pitch Perfect singing, and they've got the people from Modern Family singing, and all the people in the Democratic Party are just so happy because all the celebrities love us. That means we're special. We're special, don't you get? No, you're not special. None of these people know who you are. None of them care. They'd probably cut you dead if you met them at the grocery, because right? they do it all the time. I live in L.A., okay? Most of these celebrities are kind of jerky. They don't like being confronted. They don't like having people talk to them or even ask them for autographs. But we have to worship at their altar. Okay, folks, as I always say, don't worship people. I I really think, by the way, this had an impact on the Republican race, too, because we found the greatest, we found the the, the most significant person that we could find uh, and the, the most publicly available person we could find, Donald Trump, and decided to make him our nominee. And it wasn't, it didn't stop with that. Meryl Streep showed up to cheer for Hillary Clinton, leaving everybody wanting a Silkwood shower. So here is Meryl Streep. What does it take to be the first female anything? Well, first you have to have sex with Bill Clinton once. It takes grit and it takes grace. Yeah, Hillary is graceful. Hillary Clinton 
has taken some fire over 40 years. Like on the tarmac in Bosnia. Of her fight for families and children. Well, to kill the ones that aren't born yet. How but, yeah. does she do it? How does she? She's so strong. That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, I want to know. Where does she get her grit? Where does she get her it? Grace? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Where do any of our female firsts, oh, our path breakers, you don't break where paths. do they find that strength? You people have made history. Yeah, so did the people who, who yeah. built the Titanic. And you're going to make history again in November. Okay, and I love the crowd. Just, oh my God, Meryl Streep, I remember her from Devil Wears Prada. She must have something valuable to say. Okay, we can stop it there. I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't. And, and you can already see she's already getting her hair ready to play Hillary Clinton in the next movie. I mean, this is, this is what she does. Hil By the way, I want to say this about Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is one of the most overrated actresses in the history of American cinema. The last great movie that she made, great movie that Meryl Streep made, was legitimately Deer Hunter back in the 1970s. She is so overrated. Catherine Hepburn once said about Meryl Streep, and it's totally true. The problem with Meryl Streep is you can see all the gears turning. And that's exactly right. She's a mechanical actress for a mechanical candidate. But that, even that wasn't all. Alicia Keys showed up to stump for gun control at the DNC. Women are the answer. Oh, no. We have the power to ensure that this country gets on the right path. I dedicate this song to the mothers of the movement and all mothers who have lost their sons and their daughters to senseless violence. Until we deal with gun violence in this country, we can't claim home of the brave. Everywhere I'm turning. Flat. All right, we can. We don't have to listen to this because now she's Nothing just going to sing, and I don't like her work very complete. much. So, so she, so Alicia Keys must know. She must know everything. We need women. If women around the world, it would be so much better. Yes, that's true. Madame Mao was just a delight. Avita Peron, just a delight. There's no such thing as women are better than men or men are better than women. There are bad people and there are good people, and they come in all shapes and sizes and sexes and colors. Again, this idea that we just need a woman. I don't remember Alicia Keys saying that about Sarah Palin for VP. Call me crazy. I don't remember her stumping for Carly Fiorina on that basis. And I love that when, when people say people are, are victims of senseless violence. No, they're victims of people who commit senseless violence. It's not like there's some guy with a big shirt that says senseless violence just walking around on the street, and if you just walk close to him, he hits you with a two-by-four. It's so, so ridiculous all the way through. And then finally, the greatest of all celebrities, Russet Potato Lena Dunham, standing next to, I think it's America Ferreira, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, America Ferreira, who's, who hasn't been in a show that's successful for at least 10 years. Uh, and here is Lena Dunham looking just her best, straight off of eating cake naked on a toilet. And here, is, here, here she's speaking. Uh -huh. I am a pro-choice feminist sexual assault survivor with a chronic reproductive illness. Oh, uh, you're a victim. Donald lady. Trump and his party think I should be punished for exercising my constitutional rights. His rhetoric about women takes us back to a time when we were meant to be beautiful and silent. Meanwhile, 22 years ago, Hillary Clinton declared that women's rights are human rights. Okay, so I, my favorite thing about this was that they, they first started this thing with Lena Dunham saying, Donald Trump probably thinks I'm a two. No, no, he doesn't. That's a wild overestimate. And then America Ferreira turns to Lena Dunham, and she says, he thinks I'm probably a rapist. It's a good thing, as Jonathan Hay points out, it's a good thing they didn't switch that line, because Lena Dunham actually brags about basically molesting her sister in her own memoir. But, you know, this is, all these celebrities, we have, to, we have to pay attention to all of them. They're very deep and important human beings. Okay, finally we conclude with stuff I hate. Donald Trump just couldn't keep his mouth shut today. So Donald Trump does a, a press conference and is meant to draw fire away from the Democratic National Convention and, and draw attention away. And he says a lot of kind of crazy things. Uh, he says that he hopes the Russians release Hillary's emails. Here's what he had to say about that. I, I will tell you this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Okay, so he wants the Russians to, he hopes they hacked Hillary Clinton. Yeah, he's getting condemned over this. I don't think that it's particularly terrible, Trump. I think that yeah, everybody's going nuts over, oh my God, he wants them to hack. Hillary Clinton set up a private server and made herself vulnerable to the hack. Everybody knows he'd be happy if they released those emails because he'd become president in all likelihood. So that, I'm not gonna be all over Trump. A lot of people are all over Trump on that today. Doesn't make much of a difference to me. I don't think that's a particularly important Trump failure. 
then Trump actually made a good point. So here it's time for some good Trump. We're actually going to be a little favorable to Trump today. So here is Donald Trump talking about why Hillary is not an agent of change. Bill Clinton called Hillary a change maker yesterday, to which I thought she works at 7-Eleven. But, um, but, but Donald Trump says, don't worry, there won't be any change with Hillary Clinton. When they talk about change, I notice they have change. She's been there for 30 years. 30 years. There's no change. It's going to be the same. It's going to be an extension of Obama, in my opinion, worse. Okay, it's good. And he's right. He's totally right about this. Okay, so here, okay, and because there's good Trump, there also has to be bad Trump. Here is Donald Trump on the Geneva Conventions. The last clip, yeah. I think everything's out of date. We have a whole new world. When I said that NATO to Wolf Blitzer is obsolete, I got attacked. Three days later, people that study NATO said, you know, Trump is right. You know what? We have a lot of things that are out of date because they're 20 and 30 and 40 years old. NATO, you know, this isn't a country from 40 years ago. Today, we have a different threat. We have a terror threat and we have an ISIS threat. And by the way, ISIS isn't even mentioned. It's not even mentioned during the Democratic Convention. Okay. And everyone's talking about it. So what he's saying at the end there is exactly right, of course. But the stuff about he was asked about the Geneva Conventions and he says they're out of date. No, they really are not. They really are not in any major way. Anyway, he doesn't know anything about the Geneva Conventions. He was also asked, apparently, whether he would let Russia annex Crimea. And he said, well, may, he said, I would think about it. He said, sure, I'd think about it. Okay, I think the, the real answer there is that I'm not sure that, that he knows either what the word annex means or what Crimea is. The last time he heard about an annex is when he was learning to read at the learning annex. But, he, but when, he says that, when he says these sorts of things, I don't think he thinks them through. But, you know, this is the choice that we've been given. This is the choice before us. As always, there will be more tomorrow because this election is never ending. But at least we laugh at the circus, right? I mean, at least we can laugh at the, at the image of Bill Clinton back in 1971 stalking Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Tonight, it'll get even more fun. Tonight, Barack Obama is speaking at the convention, and he's going to declare himself emperor, I think. He may actually just, what if he actually just declares himself a woman and then he's the first female president? I feel like that would be his strongest move tonight. It would really take, it would really take, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just destroy Hillary? Like if he just got up there and he said, you know what? I'm a woman. And then be like, oh my God, he's the first female black president. Hillary, we have no need for you. Joe Biden, come on down. Maybe it'll happen. I don't think it will, but I've been proved wrong on everything else this election cycle. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro show. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where Preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.